You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. It is good to be here. Um, uh, and I love these kind of settings right here. Just being with men uh, that, that love God, that uh, there's just a camaraderie. Uh, that you get when just men come right, together. Right. And I don't know that there's any setting that is more conducive to just, for men to just, uh, you just kind of decompress a little bit. You don't feel like you, you, know, you have to, you know, my hair can be any way it wants to be. And my wife doesn't say, fix your hair, fix your hair. <laughs> you might know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so we were coming down, we, we were coming down to uh, today. Does this, does this sound like a man? Uh, oh, I loaded everything up. We got in the hotel room and I called uh, brother. I was looking for clothes that I thought I picked out for tonight. I was going to change clothes. And I realized I, I brought everything except for, uh, my suits and my coats and my ties. And so what you see is what you get. <laughs> now, is this a man? Yeah. I turn to my wife and say, what'd you do with my clothes? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. So uh, anyway, it's good to be here. It's good to be with you. And I don't know that anything just brings uh, w- what I feel here right now. Uh, it, it really, it, uh, that atmosphere, that settled atmosphere, uh, when there is a presence of men, uh, it comes to the church as well. Uh, when you have, and you're you're so blessed to have this kind, this caliber, this group of men right here uh, to have at a church. I evangelized for eight years, four years before I was youth pastor at Calvary, and then four years after. So I've been to a lot of churches, as you have, and to have a church with a a strong population of men uh, is not all, that's not always the norm. You can go to a lot of places where the absence, the demographic absence is men. And uh, that that's just a whole different dynamic. But when there's a strong population of men, uh, there's just a, a, a settled, comfortable, secure feeling. And I, I feel that I haven't been here very long. And uh, I know several of you, but many I don't. And I feel that I was just uh, in, in today. I l- wanted to note what the average congregation, um, what's the male makeup of the average congregation and the average congregation has 39% males, 61% female and 39% male. That's pretty low. That's setting the bar pretty low. So to have a church that has uh, 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 that secure population of males, this is a blessing, a real blessing. I I was reading another article that was talking about how to draw men in to the church. And they were talking about primarily uh, one of the high points. There was a few different things. But one of the high points was they were redesigning the church and website. Uh, It was pretty dramatic, but to redesign the worship spaces and even the website as well. And that was a little little intriguing to me. They were saying that they wanted it to look a little more rugged and lodge-like. 
That's my, that, was, that was my thought, too. Uh, what are you going to do, put a moose head instead of a cross? I mean, what, what are you going to do? Uh, you know, they don't have a clue. If that's how you're going to draw real men, uh, the men that you draw on that level probably won't give you, not probably, it will not give you what you need to build a church. If they're drawn to moose heads and, and a lodge-like atmosphere, uh, that's not really what's going to give the strength of the church anyway. So I, I do want to talk a little bit tonight. I was thinking about uh, going back through the years of us building a church in Naperville and then Joliet and knowing that we needed the security because um, when when you have men, not only in the church, but uh, when you have strong men in a home, uh, nine, the percentile goes way up. If you have the male role model in a home that comes to church faithfully, uh, your odds go into the 90s of your family being saved. Over 90% that the family will come when you have a strong male role model in the home. If that's not there, it's like balls in the air. It, maybe, maybe not. So that, that is the strength of the church is when men come. So I, I want to talk about men that every church needs. Men, the kind of men that every church needs. Now, uh, when, when I think of that, I, I don't know about you, but when I read through the Bible, if we would say, who's your favorite, real quick, who's your favorite Bible character? David. Who? Jesus. <laughs> oh, I thought somebody said Judas. I heard that. I thought, oh, hold on now, hold on. <laughs> Joshua. Okay. Uh, uh, if we could go around the room, we'd probably, uh, we'd hear Joseph and Daniel and Moses. Uh, we don't hear a lot of Joabs. Yeah. You know, I, I don't hear the Judas. I don't hear... Um, not only that, but just there are so many men in the Bible that were um, nondescript and even sketchy. They're just a little sketchy. They have a little, you know, some rough edges in their life. And uh, when I think of what I need to be as a man, sometimes I raise the bar so high that I don't even feel like I qualify as being valuable Thank you. To the kingdom of God. Right. Yeah. And that's a lie. That's just simply not true. I, I read in the book of James chapter 5, the Bible says that Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Another version says this, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently. We need, we need men of prayer, even though we're of like passion. Elijah was a man of like passion. He had a nature like mine, but he was a man of prayer. I, uh, uh, it was, it was a few years ago right here in St. Louis and, uh, Brother, brother Tom was driving the bus. I, I hope this is going to be okay. Now you can, anything, anything I mess up, you, you fix when I'm gone. So he was driving the van. My, my youth pastor was telling me this story just recently. 
So he was driving the van, picking up kids. Fortunately, it was just the two of them in the van. They'd gone to get the van. He was driving back. I'm telling you, this is a, this is a precious man. He's a, he's a good man. There's not, he, he drains the baptistry at least once a month and, and cleans it all up. I mean, he is a precious man. He's at work every Sunday doing something. Um, his wife does our, our, she's uh, really the second command behind my wife doing the worship team plays. And so they, they were on their way back. They had sent the van out, uh, or I'm sorry, they went to go get the van and they were coming back to church to the the convention center to pick up the kids, two vans in line, and uh, Brother Junior was behind them. And as they were coming through the stoplight, uh, the the light it was just on the verge of turning, and and coming from this end, it was you know it was jam packed. Uh, somebody came through the intersection and almost hit the van. And it was almost like slow motion. My youth pastor was saying it was kind of like he said, I was even bracing for the impact. And he said, just as that car was coming in, he said, uh, now what Brother Tom should have said was, oh, Jesus. But that's not what he said. (laughs) Does anybody know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Now. He probably said, oh, Jesus, forgive me, as he got through the intersection. (laughs) You know what? And he's a godly man. He's a good man. He's just a man of like passions. And sometimes we let anger get the best of us. Does anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? Sometimes we let things get the best of us. And then what we want to do is disqualify ourselves from things that are important to the kingdom of God. I find myself having made, I thought, what a beautiful thing, this man who's 64. I I don't even know this man and I like him. He, he was, he's dealing with pornography and dealing with addictions and alcohol. Maybe teaching Sunday school in a year or two. (laughs) You know, you know, anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes, right, right. Now, I noticed this. I, I took mental note, uh, intentional, that when he said, when he started talking about the vices, here, here's, what, here's what men didn't do. They didn't go, oh, my. Now, women might have done that, but men said, yeah, that's, that's just the way we are. <laughs> We're just dealing with it. So men of like passions. But what I have to do is I deal with those every day and put them under the blood and I'm still going to be a man of prayer. I'm going to strive to be what I need to be. I deal with my flesh. I deal with the man of the man, but I'm going to, I'm going to let Jesus Christ help me deal with that. We may be men of like passion, but we need to be men of prayer. The church needs men of prayer. David was a man of many mistakes but he was a man of mercy and grace. I, I read through, uh, and I don't want to take time tonight. Secondly, David was a man of many mistakes, but he was a man of mercy and grace. When I read through the book of Psalms, chapter 51, chapter 51 is about David, uh, his response when Nathan, when he pointed at him and said, thou art the man. He, 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 what was done in secret, Nathan pointed it out and 
public, brought it to the attention, brought it to the surface. You've been with Bathsheba, you're guilty. And then what I love is David, when he writes, you can't write about um, repentance and uh, recovery and asking for forgiveness without going to Psalms 51. I mean, he, he writes, have mercy upon me, O God, thy loving kindness, my sins ever before me. I acknowledge my transgressions. Uh, I was shapen in sin, shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Thou desirest truth in me. He's just pouring it out. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. But what I like is in verse number 13. He said, then I will teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted. When you cleanse me, I will teach transgressors their ways and sinners shall be converted. I find another story in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 12 through 16. And I find David extending grace and mercy. If you don't know this story, I, I would suggest you go back and read it. It's just a real cool story. And it's in 2 Samuel chapter 12, 16, 19. And it's where David's running from Solomon. Solomon's chasing him. Solomon has stolen the hearts of, uh, of Israel. And now he's once the throne. And while David's on the run, Saul's kingdom's already found, uh, you know, it's already in not just decline, it's gone. And Shimei, who is of the household of Saul, he starts, he sees David and starts cursing David and throwing stones. Does anybody remember this story? And Abishai says to David, why are you going to let this dead dog curse the king? If you, you just say the word and I'll literally, he says this, I'll take his head off. Now, if I'd have been David, I'd say, what took you so long? <laughs> Go do it. That's not what David said. David said, what do I have to do with you, you son of Zeruiah? You, you, let it be. Let it go. If you read in the book of 2 Samuel, I love this. Chapter 19, when, when David's kingdom is established, and Shimei realizes, uh-oh, <laughs> I think I made a mistake. He comes to David and he says these words, I have sinned. I have sinned against you. David was able to forgive because he was a man of many mistakes and he granted mercy. That's why I believe he wrote, I'll teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted. A church needs men that knows how to extend mercy. I need you to extend mercy to my son, and I'll extend mercy to your son. I need you to extend mercy to my daughter, and I'll extend mercy to your daughter. I'm going to extend mercy to your family, and you need to extend mercy to mine, and we need to extend mercy to one another. I, I've, seen, I've seen families where, where uh, you know, uh, we look at other people's mistakes and I've seen people that didn't know how to give mercy at all. And then I've seen, I, I remember, I love this. I wasn't going to uh, just come to my mind, but I had a friend. I went to Bible school with him. He, he started pastoring his dad's church. 
when he was pastoring his dad's church, it was a large church in, in the South, very large church. And uh, he was married, wasn't married very long. I don't know what the, what the extenuating circumstances were. They were young. It was a young couple, young and dumb. We've all been there. <laughs> My wife tells me I'm still there. <laughs> and and uh, something went wrong, and his wife had an affair. Pastor of the church had an his wife had an affair with someone in the church. It was just a one-time mistake. It was they spent too much time together. And uh, I called him on the phone. So I don't want to know any of the details. I said, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. They're, they're still married today. They're doing fantastic. He said, well, and then he told me the story later on. He said, we went before the church. He stood before the church and my wife wept and cried and asked for forgiveness. We, we, we left there thinking we might have to resign. We might have to whatever not. I'm not condoning anything. You understand what I'm saying? I'm just talking about grace and mercy. And so while she was, he stood back and while his wife was just unloading it all, no whole, nothing, just unloading it all. Here's, here's the nitty gritty. This is the truth. And before uh, she got done, here's what she said. She said, I, I've sinned, forgive me. And from the back, one of the men just stood up and said, I forgive you. After about three seconds, another man stood up. I forgive you. And another man and another man and another man. He said it went on and on and on. When we begin to forgive one another, it helps people make it. Yes, Lord. It helps other people make it. And they're still married today and they're Praise doing God. great. Yes, the church needs men. And the reason why is because anybody here that doesn't have any mistakes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, I saw Brother Caraway start. No, maybe not. <laughs> How about it? We're, we're all there. We, need, we are men of mistakes, but it just helps us to know we need to be full of mercy. Thirdly. Joseph was not a man of miracles, but he was faithful. Jesus, I'm not talking about physical father. I'm talking about his earthly father. I won't be very much longer. I only got about 14 points. I'm teasing. <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> I saw this brother go, oh my God. I hope not. <laughs> he was a man. He, he had no miracle. Can you imagine the Messiah being born to somebody that was not a miracle worker? You, you would think, I mean, he was a carpenter's, he, Jesus was a carpenter's son. I would think if I was going to write the story, Jesus needs at least, a, he needs at least a mentor. If he's going to turn water into wine, come on, right? I, mean, I need somebody like Elijah. Joseph did not do any miracles, but I'll tell you what he did do. He was faithful. He, he brought respect. Do you remember the scripture? In the book of Matthew, chapter number one, the Bible says that Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, but was wanted to put her away privately. And the Holy Ghost said unto him, fear not to take Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. In other words, Joseph, here's what I need. 
everybody's, this, this is going to be suspect. There's going to be, there's going to be some, some, some dark shadows here, but I need you to be faithful because you bring respect. We need the church to, for men All to right, just stand up and be men, to yeah. stand up and square our shoulders and say, yes, I belong to him. Uh, we may not, listen, just because we don't lay hands on the sick and they recover, and we should, but if we don't have any miracles to our name, I'll tell you what I'll take. I'll take some men that are just faithful, that are just there every day, that I can depend on, that bring respect to CTK. I need somebody to just stand up and stand up in the community and say, uh, this is where I go to church. I love my church. This is a place where I've been changed. This is the all. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We may not be miracle workers, but we are faithful men. Number four, I got two more here. Moses was responsible for the word of God and the work of God. The word of God and the work of God. In the book of Exodus chapter number 32. Moses, uh, you, you remember when he came out of the mount and he saw Israel dancing naked and he had those two tables of stone? What did he do with them? Listen, when you get angry, you can do some dumb stuff. I mean, God made this and God wrote on it. I, it, it doesn't say it in scripture, but I think right after that, Moses went, oops. <laughs> I don't think I should have. I don't think I should have done that. The Bible says in verse number 16 of chapter 32, the tables were the work of God and the writing was the writing of God. It was the work of God and the word of God. Now there's nothing that you can do to change the word of God. It is right whether you think it is or not. It's the word of God. But you can hurt the work of God. I've seen, I've seen men get angry and hurt the work of God. I've seen men get crossways with the pastor, get crossways with the board, get get crossways. I mean, uh, maybe something didn't go quite right, and and that's just kind of men, you know. We I thought it should be this way, and they did it this way. They should have done it this way, and we can get crossways, and because we get angry, we we hurt the work of God. But I've seen men that hurt the work of God. Turn right on, because here's what God said to Moses. I want you to go back up into that mountain. Now, this time, I'm not going to make those tables of stone. You make them. <laughs> he, he's repairing what he just damaged. I, I've, seen, I've seen men come around and say, you know what? That was awful dumb. I, I, I want men that, that, that care enough about the work of God, that they are builders of the work of God and not tear down. I'll repair anything that I don't. If I mess it up right here, I'm going to fix it. This matters to me. The work of God matters to me. Amen. And then lastly, somebody say amen. Let me just, let me just say this first. I, you know, when we, when we, when we comes to the work of God, I appreciate men that are hard working, that work hard for the kingdom of God. I have a, a pastor friend of mine, he pastors in Indiana, and they were doing a project. They were building a church, actually. And uh, when they started building the church, everybody was, you know, yeah, pastor, we can do it. 
We can do it. We can build this church ourselves. We don't need anybody to help us. And they were doing that for about three weeks. And then the next thing you know, pastor's there by himself. He said, it was a long Saturday. He said, I was there all by myself. It was nine o'clock. Matter of fact, he called me right after that. He said, I'm so, I, I'm so tired. I could cry. And he said, there was uh, two young couples that, that drove by and uh, they were taking a bike ride. He said, I've been working all day and they're taking bike rides. And he said, if I thought, he said, I'm just thinking, he said, if, if I was a young guy and we were having a church day and I was taking a bike ride, the last place I'm riding by, <laughs> matter of fact, I'm, I'm going down every alley so we don't see me. <laughs> He said that they drove by. Not only did they drive by, they drove up in the, in the, in the driveway and said, Hey, pastor, how'd it go today? <laughs> he, he said, I, I had to stop before I answered. He said, I just had to just stop and think a minute. <laughs> you know, I appreciate people. I appreciate men. They just roll up their sleeves. Let's just get the job done. Let's work hard. Let's build it. You know what you're doing right here? You're building the kingdom of God together. And then lastly is this. Spiritual men. God needs, the church needs spiritual men. Spiritual men uh, in the book of Acts chapter number six, when they were choosing seven men because uh, they were having some difficulties and the disciples wanted to be uh, just totally given to prayer and and delivering the word. And so they chose seven men full of the Holy Ghost. Now think about this. The first two were Stephen and Philip. Stephen was the first martyr of the church. Philip was the greatest evangelist of the church. I mean, read Acts chapter eight. He turned Samaria upside down through his ministry. Now, when they were chosen, they were both full of the Holy Ghost and full of faith, but spiritual. Now, if I had a choice, first martyr, greatest evangelist, first <laughs> martyr, <laughs> greatest evangelist. Hey, spiritual men say, use me and it doesn't matter. Uh, whatever's good for the kingdom of God, first martyr or greatest evangelist. Spiritual men just say, Lord. Whatever you want me to do, plug me in and I'll do it. And that's, that's what the church needs in this hour. If the church needed anything it needed, it needs men. And I feel like that's what we got right here in this room. Perfect? Absolutely not. But give us a good moose head. <laughs> We're on our way. I am really, I can tell I'm going to enjoy. This is the kind of crowd I like to hang around. So. God bless you. Thank you for being here tonight. What a, uh, the church in Waterloo, man, fantastic reports. Talk about linking together CTK and Waterloo together. And, and I got a feeling it won't be the last church that, that comes out of CTK. And, and, uh, I believe that your pastor and this church is well-respected not just in Illinois, but throughout our nation. And uh, you, you, uh, you have a huge blessing. God bless you. I love Brother uh, Romine. 
just a tremendous man of God and uh, just a, a good friend of mine. And um, just I'm glad to be in his life and it's good to be with you. God bless.